Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Amen. Well, look at your neighbor. Tell them it's cold outside and you can be seated in the house. I am so excited, y'all to share what the Lord has put on my heart this morning with you. There, there is something about living for God that changes everything about your life. Like you can't, when, when you have lived your life, and, and I'm not saying that you weren't even a Christian before or anything, but when you, when you just begin to prioritize God, when you just begin to prioritize his house, his word, his things, you begin to segment your day a little different. You, the, the benefits to living for God, literally, they, if you began to make a list, they would just run off the page because when you live for God, even the hard times, it's not that you don't have hard times, it's just that even the hard times, you're encouraged through them because you know he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. But, but the, the life of, of a Christian is designed to be an unbroken life. Let's all say unbroken. unbroken. Because we all come to God broken. So the reality that you don't have issues is it's a false one. And if you feel that way, let me just tell you, all the people around you do not feel that way about you. If you don't think you have issues, everybody around you is completely convinced that you, are, that you actually do have issues. So one of the first uh, revelations that each person should have in their life is that we, in fact, come to God in uh, drastic need of repair. We need to be repaired from what somebody said about us. We need to be uh, in repair about what, what somebody did to us. We need to be repaired uh, because of, of, of what we said about ourselves, praise the Lord, what we thought about ourselves, what society says. We all come to God in a broken state, but glory to God, he does not have any intentions of leaving us in a broken state. In other words, his sole intentions for our life are to actually become unbroken. And unbroken is a very powerful thing because when you uh, uh, break a bone or, or you have an injury, the doctors actually say that when that bone heals, it is actually stronger where it was broken than it was before. In other words, your unbroken state is stronger than you were long before. Uh, uh, it's stronger than you were when those th- before those things actually happened to you. So if you say, man, I, I don't understand it. I, I've been divorced 773 times. I'm just here to tell you, you are stronger now in God than you were before. If you have issues in your life, the minute you give those issues over to God and you let him begin to repair and, 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 and work on those issues, you become stronger in that area. Isn't it funny how former drug addicts are always sensitive to current drug addicts? 
Former people who have an issue, who had an people who had an issue in a certain area, are always more sensitive to that area. That's because when you get unbroken, when you get healed and repaired in God, you are so sensitive to that. That's why religion is so dangerous. Because the more religious we feel, the more ostracized the people who need God feel from religion. So we begin to have this, this idea of living a life where we understand we are in fact broken and in need of repair and God is our only hope. So there are four keys to living the unbroken life. Number one, you have to have a purpose in God. You have to know that you know that you know that what he has saved you for, what he has saved you to accomplish is greater than what he has saved you from. Because we're not going to spend our life looking back whenever God has called us to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. In other words, your car that you drove here in, you have a great big windshield and a little bitty rear view mirror because you're not supposed to pay more attention to what's behind you than you do what's in front of you. Your purpose is what drives you. It's why we exist. And at New Heights Church, it's simple. Let's all say it together. We exist to love people and point them to Christ. When you find your purpose, you'll never quit. When you find your purpose, you'll, even when you get tired, you're not going to get weary. You're not going to stop. You're not going to, you're not going to settle. In fact, you're going to be driven by it. The second thing is you have to understand God has some priorities. And when we align our priorities with God's priorities, we become a priority in God's eyes. You say, well, he's no respecter of persons. Well, let me just say it like this. Does your child, that when, when, when you tell your child to clean their room and you walk in and the room is clean, you are pleased with them. If you walk in and the room is filthy and they're playing on their Xbox or whatever they have, you, are, you still love your child, but they might not have as much access to whatever you were planning on blessing them with because they did not make what was a priority to you a priority to them. Can I get a witness? So what happens is God is our father. So when we begin to say, hey, Lord, if you say it, I'm going to do it. If you make the house of God a priority, I make the house of God a priority. If you make people a priority, I make people a priority. If you make the word of God a priority, I make the word of God a priority. And you begin to line your priorities up with God. Now, all of a sudden, he begins to walk in the room and he goes, oh, look at all my kids who have made my priority their priority. Hey, Jesus. Hey, Holy Spirit. Kick over open the the, the windows of heaven and let's start pouring out some blessings on these kids. It's a different thing when you make God's priorities your priorities. Number three, you cannot accomplish what God has called you to accomplish with your own provision alone. You have to tap in to the provision of heaven. You've got to begin to live uh, through kingdom principles in every area. Uh, But if you missed last week, go and download that message and listen to it. It will change every area of your life and it'll show you how to access heaven's provision even here. Number four and the most important, that's why I saved it for last. Number four and the most important key to living an unbroken life is you've got to understand what is the most precious thing to our God more than anything else on the planet, more than anything else that's ever existed, the most important thing to our God, the most important thing to our Father is people. People matter more to Him 
than everything that has ever been written since the beginning of time. People matter more to him than every religious ideology that could ever be recorded. People matter more to him than anything that could be brought to him, that could be brought to you. People are always on his mind. Everybody say me. Me. Everybody say you. you. That's the definition of people. It's yourself and everybody else you could see. That means every single person you come in contact with is completely, God is completely in love with them. Even, listen, even the people you don't like. Oh, look at your neighbor and just be like, even the ones you don't like, just look them right in the face. And if, if they don't like somebody, just look them right in the face, say, you are not telling the truth. No, don't, don't do that. Even the people we don't like. Even the people that don't agree with us all the way. Uh, a great pastor friend of mine, he, he, he made a statement the other day. He said, we even pray for people that don't like us. When, when you get forgiven, you, you remember what it was like to be bitter and frustrated. So you, begin to, you become more sensitive to people who need to be forgiven because they're living all bitter and frustrated. There, there's nothing more stressful than living your life trying to make sure nobody gets over on you. There's nothing more stressful than, than constantly looking over your back, looking over your shoulder to see if somebody's trying to get you, somebody's out to get you, looking around every corner to see if the boogeyman's going to jump out and grab you. Let me just tell you something. If that's you, most oftentimes it's because you are concerned what you have sown is going to come back into your life. So the, the key to understanding that God loves people is to begin to look at people through God's eyes. Well, how does he look at people? He calls us the children of God. He doesn't call us the adults of God because you'll never give an adult the benefit of the doubt, but a two-year-old will throw Cheerios all over the floor, spill their milk, uh, uh, feed the dog when you tell them not to, and you'll just look at them with your phone, take a video of it, put it on Facebook, talking about how cute it is that they made a mess in the kitchen. Now, if I walk in your house and I throw cereal all over the floor and I take a gallon of milk and pour it, you're not going to forgive me. You're not going to put it on. You will put it on Facebook. You say, that crazy preacher came to my house because we're the children of God. We're not the adults of God. So you got to begin to look through the, the lens that God looks through when he looks at people. He is madly in love with people. And, and oh, now, now granted, we'll forgive almost anybody. As long as they don't do it to us. Have you ever, have you ever kind of had that thought? And if you hadn't, or excuse me, if you don't want to admit it in church, just don't look at me right now. But, but what happens is we'll have the thought. We'll be like, we'll be like, man, you know what? Everything was fine, but then they did it to me. Then they, I can't believe they did it to me. And, and, and so what happens is like we knew they were a rascal. We just didn't mind them being a rascal because they were kind of our rascal. You know, they were rascals to everybody on the other side of, of whatever the conversation was. But the minute they flip and they become a rascal to us, now we're shocked. Oh, oh, I can't believe that they did that to me. 
And it's like they've been doing it to everybody else for 600 years. You've just been involved in it. Now that they have done it to you, now all of a sudden we begin to get indignant and we begin to get super holy and we begin to get so righteous. We can't believe that they did it to me. I'll never forget when my pastor said these words to me. He said, there's nobody in my life that I hope I never see again. And I had a list, like, like, like a page-long, single-space, dual, two columns of people that I never wanted to see again as long as I lived. And if they went to heaven, I wanted them to go to the other side of heaven, praise the Lord. And I thought, what are you talking about? I said, I know a bunch of people I don't want to see anymore. He goes, oh, it's a, it's a faith decision, bro. By faith, I refuse to let somebody's faults or their own pain make me put them in a position where I can't love them the way Jesus loved me. Because very seldom in life do you get the opportunity to cover sin that somebody has done to you. He said, we'll cover it when they do it to somebody else. You know, you'll be, you'll be sitting there, you'll, you'll be driving and, and you know, you, you, your husband's driving the car and he's going 78 and a 60 and the police officer pulls over and he says, how fast are you going? And he says, I don't know, sir. And then he looks at you and you know exactly how fast he was going. Police officer, do you know how fast he was going, ma'am? And you're just like, all of a sudden you're like, <coughs> like you got something in your mouth, you know? So we'll, we'll, we'll try to cover every single thing that somebody's doing as long as they're not doing it to us. See, this is the difference between real Christianity and playing patty cake. Look at your neighbor right in the face, just say patty cake. This is the difference between real Christianity and patty cake. So Jesus is put in this position. Uh, Luke chapter number 15. The Bible says, verse number one, They then drew unto him all the publicans and sinners, all the tax collectors. And tax collector, not from a standpoint of IRS, these these guys were, they were not, uh, they didn't have specific uh, categories to tax people in necessarily. So they would just kind of take what they could get and they had a very bad reputation. So people came to him, the, the tax collectors and sinners to hear him. Let's just stop right there for, right there for a second. Why were sinners drawn to Jesus? Why did people who were scared of the church, why were they drawn to Jesus? Number two, verse 2, the Pharisees and the scribes, that's the religious folks, they murmured saying, this man receives or welcomes sinners and eats with them. And he spoke this parable unto them saying, verse 4, What man of you have a hundred sheep, if he loses one, does he not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Everybody say, until he finds it. That's how long he's going to pursue your loved one. In the kingdom of God, all your dreams will come true. You just don't get to pick the timetable. So what happens 
is he leaves the 99 and pursues the one that's lost, but Jesus never puts a timetable on how long he will pursue them. We put a timetable on it. They're not back living for God and loving God inside of about 30 days. We're ready to lose our mind and, 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 and shout at heaven when the reality is Jesus hasn't even, he hasn't even uh, uh, remotely gotten weary about pursuing them. So the Bible says he'll leave the 99 and he'll pursue the sheep until he finds it. And when he's found it, he puts it on his shoulders rejoicing. In other words, he carries it. When you come to God, there's only one position you can, you can safely be in, and that is being carried by Christ. Because the minute you decide that, you know what, now that I've made the decision, I can stand on my own, now all of a sudden you're in a position where that which you came from begins to be a significant draw. Jesus knows, especially when you first come to God, when you first begin to make decisions to live for him at a higher level, instantly you've got to rest yourself on his shoulders. The Bible says it like this. He says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. We can cast our cares upon him because he cares for So for us... To live that Christian life that's that real Christianity, we've got to throw our cares upon Jesus. We've got to get so convinced that he really does have a plan for us that we're not going to let all this little stuff weigh us down every day. We're not going to let all the issues of life weigh us down every day. We're not going to let, you know, the car that cuts us off in traffic make us lose our total religion whenever, you know, we're, we're driving. We're not going to let, you know, the, 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 the waitress or the waiter or the person at the store cause us to lose our mind. We're not going to let when somebody bumps in, in front of us or, or gets in front of us in a line, uh, uh, we're not going to let that ruin our day. When the boss comes in and says, hey, I'm thinking about laying some people off and you're the top of the list we're not going to lose our cool as if heaven has somehow you know gone bankrupt and God can no longer supply our needs according to his riches and glory when the doctor comes in and says I hate to tell you but the blood work came back and it says this that or the other we're not going to sit there and act like the doctor has the final say even though we love all doctors I go to checkups I love doctors any of those things but we are not going to lose our religion just because something comes into our mind because we aren't be, we aren't walking on our own scenario anyway we're being carried by the one who never fails never lets us down never gives up never quits and never stops pursuing us because the most important thing to God is people he said so he lays him on his shoulder rejoicing he's happy that means when a sinner comes home man everybody ought to be happy about it I've I've seen people come to God and and I've, I've seen Christians look at him say it's about time I thought, wait one minute, Jethro. How about let's do what the Bible says and rejoice. The Bible says when, when he comes home, he calls, oh, this is, this is the shepherd. When he comes home, when he gets, when he comes, gets to the place of, uh, uh, when he gets to the house of God, when he gets to the place where all his friends are, he gets all his friends and family together saying unto them, rejoice with me. I have found my sheep which was lost. I thought, I think if we celebrated people coming to God more, we wouldn't have people leaving God quite as much. And when he comes home, he calls all his friends and neighbors together, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, I found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. More than over the 99 just people, the people that were already saved, which need no repentance. In other words, when one person 
decides, I am ratcheting up my relationship with God. When one, when one sinner repents and begins to magnify God, all of heaven breaks out in a party. All of heaven begins to shout. The Bible says all around the throne, all day long, all day long, from, from the beginning to the end, the angels are swirling around the throne, singing and rejoicing and magnifying God and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So if, if you don't like rejoicing, if you don't like shouting, if you don't like singing unto God with a voice of triumph, if you don't like magnifying God, then heaven is going to freak you out. Because in heaven, every, the Bible says it like this. The Bible says we ought to run our race because we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, some people believe that's angels. Some people believe that heaven can actually peer through the different dispensations and see what's happening to you and me. One translation indicates that those witnesses that we're surrounded by are rooting us on like a stadium filled with people telling us, don't quit, run your race, don't quit, run your race. But either way, certainly we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And as soon as one sinner repents, as soon as one person says, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life, the Bible says right there that all of a sudden a party breaks out in heaven and I think we ought to rejoice just as much when somebody comes to God. It doesn't say he gets a party in heaven when you pay your car off. Doesn't say there's a party in heaven when you pay your house off. Doesn't say there's a party in heaven when somebody gets healed. Now he is incredibly happy about these things, but the Bible says that all of heaven breaks out into a party when one person repents. And the reason it makes it this clear is because the most important thing to God is people. There is nothing more important to him than people. Number one, if you're taking notes. Don't limit God. He said he's going to look for that lost sheep until he finds it. In other words, your family member will be found. Because he won't quit until he finds them. Don't you remember when, when you, you get the realization of, did I find him or did he find me? Those old songs start to make sense. I once was lost, but now I'm found. But before, you didn't even know you were lost. You were just living your life. You had no idea that there was an option that, that said my whole life displays who I am in Christ. My every facet of every area of my life, you had no idea. But all of a sudden, the Bible makes it very clear. He's going to pursue your family until he gets your family. Don't limit God. Don't put him in a box. Don't put God. Now, come on, somebody. Don't put God in a box. Can he do exceeding abundantly above more than we ask or think? The Bible says he carries the sheep. Put yourselves in the, ar in the arms that never fail. Number two, one person choosing Christ produces joy in heaven. That means you produced a party in heaven. When you said yes to God, when you gave your heart to him, 
for the first time. When you repented after you had realized, you woke up one day and said, I don't even know how I got here, but I'm further away from God than I'd like to be. You produced a whole party in heaven. And parties in heaven are, like, are not like parties here. Parties in heaven, the Bible says that, that, that when, when, when they start to break out, all of heaven begins to break out. If you don't like parties, heaven's just, I mean, it's just going to mess you up. You're going to be walking around. And here's the other side of it. If you don't like smiling, heaven, heaven is going to be, I, I think in 2018, I think I'm going to do, do a series on heaven. And I'm going to, see, a lot of people think that we just go up there and get wings and float around. No, it's nothing like that. The Bible says we rule and reign with Jesus. Oh, I just want me just to, just just if I could just get like a like a little like a little you know just an RV on the backside of somebody else's property. Well, Jesus said, "I go to prepare a place for you." He said, "In my house are many mansions." I believe in Jesus' name that I'll have my mansion here, and it is going to be humongous. Right next to me will be my children, my but. I don't know which one, what we'll to vote on, which one gets to be closest to me. I don't know. But I'm believing God. Listen, I, I'm believing God. We're going to have a, a, an entire, if it's not a subdivision, just an entire section of all my family and friends. When I walk down the street, heaven, you're going to know everybody that you knew. The Bible says you'll be known as you are known. We will know people. That means grandma. You're going to walk right up, and Grandma's going to be right there. Well, what's she going to look like? Well, she's not going to look like she, if she died at an old age, she's not going to look like she looked then. Well, how old are people in heaven? I don't know, but I could argue that they're probably about 33. The Bible says we're in God's likeness and God's image. Jesus translated up to heaven. And don't you remember, about 30, 33 years old, you're really feeling yourself at that time, you know. You, you, you're just, you're just, you're thinking, man, I, I'm not as dumb as I was. I'm more patient than I was, you know. You know, the things that you've learned some things, you know. I'm not saying for sure, but it's very possible. You'll be 30, 33 years old. What I know for sure is you're going to have a, listen, you're going to have a, you're going to have a, a, a new, a new body in heaven. You'll have a brand new body in heaven. Not only that. When you get up to heaven, all your family members, you're going to be like, I missed you so much. And they're going to be like, I didn't miss you at all. Because <laughs> the Bible says one day to the Lord is like a thousand years to us. So if your family member has been in heaven for like 30 years, I'll, I've done the math before, but they've only been there like in, in heaven time, they've only been there about 15 minutes. So when you get there, you're going to be like, I missed you so much. Oh, my gosh. And they're still going to be getting their tour from Gabriel of their mansion. And they're like, would you just stop a minute? Gabriel's showing my master bath. Would you look at that? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Where's the, where's the laundry room in this mansion? We don't even have a laundry room. Nothing gets dirty. Praise God. Where's the dishwasher? We don't need one. They're just magically clean. I don't know. 15 minutes or so. So that, that's, why, that's why the Bible says, listen, the Bible says he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. They're not up there missing you. That, that's, they just got there. No matter how, they, they're just going to have, they're not even going to have walked all the way down Glory Avenue yet by the time you get there. 
They're going to have gold dust all over their shoes, praise the Lord, from those streets. They're going to be walking by that beautiful river of life. There'll be trees with fruit hanging off of them. You get hungry, you just grab your piece of fruit. There's a great beautiful sea. The Bible says it's so beautiful, it looks like crystal or glass. It's just, just beautiful, the Bible says. When you walk up, there's going to be a great marvelous gate made out of a pearl. And you're going to walk up and you're going to say, what's going on here? And you're going to, then all of a sudden, the Bible says the Lord's going to look at you. He's going to say, come on in here. Well done, now good and faithful servant. Enter in to your reward. Then all of a sudden, you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be like, man, it is so bright here. Which way does the sun rise up? And somebody that's been there a while is going to look at you and say, oh, we don't have sunshine here. He said, the light of this great city is the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, heaven's a, heaven's a reward. If you got somebody that, that, that goes to heaven early, that just means they got their reward a little quicker. Praise the Lord. I'm not happy about it when they go necessarily. But the apostle Paul said, he said it like this. He said, for me to live is Christ to you, but for me to die is gain because heaven is a reward. Heaven is not a penalty. Heaven is, heaven is one of the, the greatest things for a Christian to look forward to, but it's something that we don't want to get to heaven having not accomplished what God has called us to accomplish. So if you're still breathing air by taking a big breath, if you're still breathing air, you've got something to do for God. And the most important thing to God is people. Number three, you were never designed to do life alone. Romans 12, 5 says the body has many members, but it's one body. In other words, like your body, you, you, you could accidentally, you know, skin your knee and your hand can go get the Band-Aid and put it on your knee. So what happens is the body is working to heal the body. The hand is healing the body, working to men, men of the body. So what happens in, in all of this, we have to recognize that we have to choose God alone. We don't have a choice. But you were never designed to live life alone. Because when you begin to live life alone, there's only a couple options. Number one, you begin to isolate yourself and when you become isolated, you lose sensitivity to people. Have you ever, I used to, I've done a lot of work in a, different, a bunch of different areas, but, but I've, I've, I've met people and been around people that, you know, just haven't been a, like around society much, and they have no clue about how, how hurting people can really be hurting. And you lose that sensitivity. And when you lose the sensitivity, you lose the compassion. And when you lose the compassion, you lose the one thing that God has placed on the inside of you to be a beacon for everybody around you. And that is the love of people. We were never designed to live life alone, live for God alone. We were actually designed to live life together. That's why when Jesus said, hey, Peter, I want you to follow me. But BT Dub, I got 11 more guys that are going to be with us. Because when you cry, they're going to cry. When you rejoice, they're going to rejoice. When you go fishing and you can't pull in the net, somebody else is going to help you pull in the net. When, when you have an issue, somebody's going to help you with it. When you have a problem, somebody's going to help you with it. When, 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 when somebody is in pain, we're going to be there to help. When somebody is, is rejoicing, we're going to rejoice like it's our victory. Because it is. Why? Because we're many members, but we're one body. New Heights Church, uh, we, we connect several different ways, but the two primary ways is through our First Touch team. That's where we serve 
the body of Christ, the, the region, the area, the house of God. And what happens is, is you begin to develop relationships because the relationships that you have here, let, let me say it differently, and this is really, really important. So I got, I'm going I'm to preach maybe five more minutes. Just lock right in with me. Life moves at the speed of relationships. If you show me your relationships, I can show you your future. If you show me your relationships, I can show you your future. Does that mean I should only be around people that are, that are, that are living for God? Absolutely not. Why, why were sinners drawn to Jesus? But if the relationships in your life if you don't have any or many that are founded in who Christ is, I can just tell you, you will drift away from the things of God. And when you do, it's not like God's mad at you. My goodness, he'll leave all of us to go find you. But at the end of it all, you'll wake up one day and you go, oh man, I missed eight years of what I could have been accomplishing with God because of the relationships that I had. How many of you, you don't have to lift your hands, but you remember when you were a kid and said, what happened? And almost without exception, I was hanging around the wrong people. Because people are the most important thing to God, but people are one of the most powerful forces on the planet. And the same way that peer pressure works to make kids try drugs and, and, and alcohol and cigarettes and all that other stuff at a young age all that other filth at a young age, the same reason, the same way that that works, did you know that same pressure times 100 works the other way when you have them around the people of God? Amen. Works the other way. When, when you show them the fire, when, they, when you show them the power, when, when, when you say, when, when something happens and you just, just go ahead and tell them, hey, we're just going to believe God in this situation. And you let them see faith work. You let them see these things come to pass. We had a great uh, um, email or message or something came in last week or week before last. This young man in, in, in kids' church, he, he goes home after kids' church and he tells his parents, and I don't want to try to say it exactly because I, I, I would misquote, but he just said, man, I really had an encounter with God. Now, I'm not telling you that can't happen at Kroger or that can't happen at H-E-B. He sure seems to do it a lot at church. And the reason is, church is God's plan for what? For people. He cares about people more than anything else. The other area that we connect here is life groups. If you're not a member of a life group and you'd like to be, go to the website, find one close to where you are and go check it out. So what are we going to do? Are we just going to sit around and open a Bible and drink coffee? Yes. <laughs> Why? Because God is faithful. We center our life around Him. And then we get relationships of, with, with people that are centering their life around Him. And then everything begins to shift. Number four, and I'll close with this. Maybe, maybe the most critical thing, because in society, especially if you're a driven person, some things you can take credit for, most things you can't. Because God just kind of made us certain ways. So, for me personally, I, I have, I have a, a, I'm a driven person. And what I mean by that is, whatever I'm doing, man, that is what I am doing. 
And, and I am going to do it. And, and I'm not, you know, I try to be disciplined and I really do work on those kind of things. But God just put that really on the inside of me. And, and let me tell you the pitfall. If I could just tell you, tell you some of the areas of my life that I have to be real conscious. What will happen is, is you'll have a goal or a target. And the target will become what you believe, even if you never think it or say it, is a final destination. When the target is nothing but a checkpoint. Because the unbroken life, number four, the unbroken life is a journey, not a destination. The unbroken life is a journey. I never understood why my parents liked road trips so much when I was growing up. And now, almost every time we go on vacation with my family, I want to go on a road trip. I want to be locked in a car for a day or two with my children. Because a couple things happen. I can listen for, for 24 hours. I can hear. Is there something in my family that needs to be addressed? Can I, can I share something with them? I, I want that time. I want that, I, want that, I want that journey because in that journey, I can adjust things. Hey, baby, we don't talk like that. I know you didn't mean it at all. Oh, Daddy, I didn't mean I know. I just wanted you to know that's not how we talk. We don't talk that way. We're always kind. I'd rather you, and I never tell them this, but I'll tell you all. I'd rather you cuss out the waitress at Denny's than you to be ugly to your sister one time. You say, you want them cussing at Denny's? I don't want them ever cussing. But the lady at Denny's is not going to bury them. You hear what I'm saying? I'd rather you be ugly to, to you know, anybody else on the... I don't want you to be ugly to anybody, but I'd rather you be ugly to them than ever ugly to your mama one time because your mama will cut her arm off and hand it to you if she thought it would help you by herself with a spoon. So, so the, the key to understanding this unbroken life is it's a journey. Everybody just say journey. journey. It's a journey. And And... What matters to you today didn't matter to you five years ago. You know, five years ago, sir, you might have just thought, there's 24 hours in a day, and I'm going to work 25 of them. And now, you know, you, you, you've shifted. And what is important to you, it's not that your, your work is not still important to you, but things are just shifting. Maybe, maybe before you thought, man, I don't have time to read a book. And, and now you just find yourself just wanting to read something that somebody wrote that, that might help you become a better person or a better leader. Because, because things shift. So when you understand things shift and the unbroken life is not a, a final target, but rather it is a journey that we're all on and we're all on different stages. We just need to make sure that we're continuously, get this, we just want to continuously be pressing towards the mark. That means some people, think of a train track. Some people get on back here. Some people fell off and then they're jumping back on. Some people here. Listen, this is not one of those things like Monopoly where you got to, you know, go back and pay $200. When you fall off the wagon with God, you just get right back on and you just start pressing towards the mark because this whole thing's a journey. Every bit of it. Jesus said this. He said, he said, hey guys, Follow me. In other words, we're going on a journey. He didn't say, come with me to my house. Period. End of discussion. He said, follow me. In other words, Jesus is going to go to his house, and then he's going to go, and he's going to heal somebody. Then he's going to go and set somebody free, because the whole, your whole walk with God is nothing but a journey. 
And, and I found him to be so faithful in the journey that if you'll just get comfortable on his shoulders, he'll carry you everywhere you couldn't go on your own. I, I remember when I was growing up, the, the town I, I grew up in, we didn't have many restaurants. I thought we did at the time, but now I realize we didn't. But well, we did have a pizza hut, praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> and, and I loved Pizza Hut, not just because I liked the pizza, which was cool, but they had this game called Cruise in the USA. And it was, it, was a, it was a car race game. You get in there and you sit in it. And when you're a kid and, and you, don't, you can't drive, man, a, a video game that's got a steering wheel, I'm in. So I would sit there and I would drive that thing and you'd put a quarter in and you would go, 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 go. And if you passed a checkpoint, you got to keep playing. We have to recognize that the targets in our life, even when they are ordained by God, they are not a destination, but rather a checkpoint. When you reach the one, it doesn't mean stop. It means you have been granted more time to go further than you could have gone before. The unbroken life. We're going from checkpoint to checkpoint. Some of you, it's like, oh, if I could just, this one thing, if I could just get this one relationship fixed. Well, when God fixes that relationship, I don't want you looking in the rearview mirror the rest of your life talking about, well, God did it. God did it. God did it. Because the next thing I want to know is what's God going to do? Because this thing is a journey. Because if the devil wants to do anything, he wants to get you off track. And if he thinks success will get you off track, he'll just give you all the success you can stomach. This is the area that I have to pay attention to. I've had to pay attention to my whole life. Because almost, and this is not, this is true in your life too. Almost everything I have pursued, I have accomplished. I mean pursued wholeheartedly and there's things where we well I'd like that to happen and then you know you don't really do anything about it but almost everything you've ever personally pursued it's been accomplished the problem is we look at that thing we pursued as a finish line and then we wake up one day and we go whoa this wasn't a finish line instead of doing like what the great racers do that are in the marathons They run by, they go through the checkpoint, and instead of stopping, they're just grabbing a drink of water, boom, and keep it on going. Because this unbroken life, it's a journey. You're not going to have, stand to your feet, please. You're not going to have all the answers today. You're, You're not, listen, there's no faith if you have the answer. You're not going to have all of the resources to do everything God has called you to do. There's no faith if you have all the resources. But the number one way to keep God so involved in your life is once you have given your life to Him, you commit your life to what He cares about more than anything else. People. Because when you bring him one, all of heaven breaks out into a party. If you're a member of New Heights Church, the book of Philippians, chapter number one, says when you are in partnership with this church, there's people, listen, 
There's people from all over the region and beyond that will, they'll send in love gifts and different things to the church. A lot of times they'll bring me the notes that, that were on there and it'll say, I just have to be a part of what's happening here. Because what happens when we partner together to reach people, the Bible says each one of us becomes a partaker Each one of us becomes a partaker of the grace on this house. In other words, when we are one body with many members and the entire body is thirsty, when the hand, which is a unique member, grabs the Gatorade and brings it over to the face, pours it in the mouth, the mouth swallows, goes down the throat, hits the stomach, then it begins to distribute those electrolytes all through the body. It all began with one segment of the body performing a task that the rest of the the foot can't pick it up. And if it is, you got a weird foot. I'm just going to tell you. All of a sudden, the entire body begins to benefit because we are many members, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. We're many members for one body. Bow your head, close your eyes, please. If you're here today and that's you, You're not living right. You're not doing right. Jesus is not Lord of your life. And you know, hey, I need to start that journey for the first time. Or I need to begin it again. The Lord is here today to forgive sin, to set us free, and then set us up for success. If that's you, you've never given your heart to God. Or maybe you say, I used to walk strong with God, but I'm backslidden. I'm like the prodigal son. When I count to three, lift your hand. And when uplifted hand, you're saying, oh, God, remember me. One, two, three. Lift your hand. I don't see any hands. You guys can look up at me. Let me ask one more question. If you're here today and you've never joined New Heights Church, but you know this is the church for you. You know this is the house God has called you to be in. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. We're committed to living an, living an unbroken life. If that's you and you've never, you've never joined New Heights, but you know this is a place for you, we have a new members class that will be coming up soon. But even more importantly than that, I want you to know there's no requirement that you have to meet to be a member. But when you decide to partner with New Heights Church, now all of a sudden you're a partaker of every grace that's on this house. So when that one person gets saved, that goes to your account. When somebody gets healed, you're a partaker of that grace. The grace that's on this house, the peace that's on this house, the increase that's on this house, you become a partaker of that. So if that's you and you say, man, I just know this is a church for me, I'm not going to call you to the front, I'm not going to put a microphone in your hand, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do just want to celebrate the fact that you're making that decision today. So if that's you and you've never joined this church, but you know this is the house for you, when I count to three, lift your hand and let us tell you we love you. One, two, three, lift your hand. I don't see any hands. Let's all lift our hands. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for blessing your people coming in, going out, blessing them in the city, blessing them in the field, this day and every day as we truly live that unbroken life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.